Algar Productions. Algar Productions. Hey guys, has anyone seen a, you know, a script yet? It's not cheap to get here in space. And I need to start heading back to make the narrow window between Brian Fuller's new show debuting and Brian Fuller's new show getting cancelled. If you time it just right, you won't miss any of the Tumblr outrage. Was that when everyone got mad about the new Batmobile? Batmobile? Did someone say Batmobile? Matt! If you're here, where are the scripts? Why would I know that? Don't you co-write the show? Do I? I thought I was the accountant. Here you are, everyone. I think you'll find everything's in order for this week's make ups Is that what we're calling them now? Now, what language is this? English. Well, British. Well, Great British. Al, this appears to be one giant sketch, and you have me playing someone called... Mick? It's Nick, the British character that you and I co-created over five years ago, and who is in no way based on anyone we've ever met. Do you remember that weekend we all spent together where you guys did those voices non-stop, interminably, endlessly, until we all wanted to kill ourselves? Voices? Is there more than one of them? Yes! Willikins! It's Nick and Willikins. You know, N plus S. Oh, of course! You have no idea what we're talking about, do you? No, I just agreed so you'd talk to someone else. (sighs) Are we really doing an entire episode of Nick and Willikins? Why not? We did an entire episode of Aaron Fawcett a while back. Who? And the stunning conclusion to the big serial we've been doing demanded more than the usual couple of minutes. Did it? Demanded by whom? The people will want to know. Will Nick escape the crazy time traveler who's trying to kill him? What happened to the narrator? Did he just disappear? There's a narrator too? Uh, Come on, that's our cue. The show's starting. What show? What is happening? This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a really exciting time. Time. Time? That's not a sentence. Did you just have a stroke? No, Matt. Making fun of stroke victims isn't funny. Unless we're talking about beef. (laughs) Hey, beef, you just had a stroke, and we're making light of it. Take that, I guess. Suddenly I'm feeling very uncomfortable about all of this. Anyway, we do have an exciting time, which is how I guess I'm saying this. We're finally wrapping up the big Nick and Willigan story. We started back in episode, fill-in episode. Wow. Episode, fill-in episode. Has it really been that long? Yes. Sorry, I, I couldn't just let that go. It was episode 66. Enjoy the show, everyone. And now the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Hot rockets, Commander! These communist moon men from Mars have us outgunned and outnumbered. We may not have our weapons, Gary, but we do have something these little red men don't have. An unwavering faith in the forces of capitalism. I guess when it came to economic philosophies, these fellas were short-changed. <laughs> Sorry, cadet. I didn't hear that over all the ray gun fire. Actually, I just thought of a better one. It looks like you are right on the money, Commander. <laughs> Please repeat, I still don't copy. Bolsheviks, more like bull- This is the BBC International Service, dateline March the 4th, 1954. 
Authorities at a classified Royal Atomic Test Facility are seeking one or more unidentified individuals in connection with the recent obscondence of a dangerous atomic device. Mr Willikins? Yes? I'm, I'm Nigel Willikins. How is she, nurse? Is everything all right? Oh, she's fine, Mr Willikins, and so is the baby. It's a boy, sir. You can go in and see them now if you'd like. She means you can turn your head now, Nigel. Oh, look at him. Look at our beautiful baby boy. You're going to do wonderful things, lad. And I will see to it that you'll be the first of our name not to be bound in servitude to the upper classes. The name Willikins will carry dignity and respect. And it won't just be another way to say, basically a slave. Willikins! Blast it, where are you, you varlet? Oh, it's a colonel. I'm afraid I must go, dear. Can't he spare even a moment for a man to see his own newborn son? I heard that. And by my watch, your husband has been granted a full moment and a half for this momentous occasion. If I wanted to give it that, I should have called it a momentous and a half occasion. <laughs> that was clever. Now, let's get cracking. There's an interdimensional rift forming over Buchananland, and those beasties want a good thrashing. Hey, what, what? I swear to you, son, this life of toil and misery ends with me. Your life will be better. Willigans! I say, Willigans! Say, you there, schoolwoman! Can you please direct me to the young Willikins boy? Much obliged. I don't want to play conkers again. Let's play snakes and ladders. I'll be the sn- Oh, hello. Are you young Willikins? I am, sir. Now listen closely, boy. I'm about to give you some positively dreadful news, and I don't want you blabbering about it like a woman. A man does not cry. Do you understand? Sort of? Sort of only counts in kippers and landmines, lad. Possibly cricket, as far as anyone can tell. Now... You know who I am? Not really, sir, no. Well, lad, I'm the colonel. I work for an international agency known as MUCUS. That's not a very good acronym. It's not, at that. Our job is to protect the likes of you and all these other children people from, well, I suppose you could say monsters. You know, ghosts, giant robots, Draculae, Frankenstein, Wolf's Man... That sort of thing. I've never seen anything like that. Of course you haven't. I just told you what we do and we're very good at it. Your father in particular. My father is in prison, sir. What? What? No, no, no. That's the story they told you, to conceal the truth. That he fights monsters? Yes. Well, no. I fight the monsters. Your father is my valet. What's a valet? It's like an assistant. So he assists you in fighting monsters? No, he brings me my tea. He helps me dress, that sort of thing. How do you fight monsters if you can't even dress? Ow! That'll be quite enough of that. Now... Your father served me faithfully for many years. Unfortunately, he and your mother recently met an untimely demise at the hands of, well, some ravenous creature or another. Apparently, he picked up some of the blasted thing's pheromones whilst we were confined in their nest on a recent adventure. We escaped, but the creature followed, and, following its nose, found and killed your parents. My parents are dead? I'm afraid so, lad. Had you not been away at school, you might have been one of the skeletons we found in the rubble that was once your home. And whilst I have neither desire nor the aptitude for raising a child, my gentleman's honour demands that I must take you as my ward. So, you're my new father? If you like. Now come along, Toby. We've much to do. My name's not Toby, sir. It's it's Willikins. Your dead father's name was Willikins. I can't call you the same thing now, can I? Think of the confusion it would cause. Not for me. Now, you shall answer now to Toby. I had a dog called Toby once that I was rather fond of, so consider it an honour. You're coming with me to live in the country manor headquarters of MUCUS. With our resources, 
Perhaps we'll make a man of you yet. I shan't disappoint you, Mr. Colonel, sir. Lost it, Toby. Can't you even bowl a simple bloody wicket? Well, I suppose you've earned honours, but you're not head boy now, are you? What do you call that? That's not BBC English. That's at best BBC Two English. Oh, Cambridge. Well, I suppose, if you don't mind being a Graham Chapman or a Douglas Adams or a Stephen Hawking or a Charles Darwin or a Hugh Laurie or a Stephen Fry or a John Cleese or a... Primary insight that Coleridge imbues the poem vis-a-vis -vis the fleeting nature of inspiration. Yes, well done, Mr. Willikins. I have rarely heard such an insightful and concise encapsulation of the poet's great work. You could all take a page from the book of Mr. Willikins here. That will be all for today. Oh, insightful, isn't he? Concise, too. Personally, I think Coleridge was a coked-up loony. Now, there's no evidence of that. Look how easily distracted he was. Someone comes to his door and poof, an entire poem just goes right out of his head. Sounds like coke to me. That's an angle that hadn't occurred to me. Would you like some? I beg your pardon? Coke? Would you like to snort some cocaine with me? Well, I'd have to consult my diary, but I expect there's no room for hard narcotics in my rather hectic undergraduate schedule. Well, that's good. I wouldn't know where to get it anyway. It was a bluff. We could go down a pub and chat up some birds. You look like you might be up for that sort of thing. I may need to correct whatever it is about me that looks that way. Sorry, no. Oh, well, that one wasn't a bluff. It was a test. You want to go someplace quiet and more intimate? I, you know, actually, I rather think I would. How did you know? Not entirely sure I knew. Oh, come on. You're a Cambridge lad who knows about poetry. You don't have to be the bloody Lucasian chair of mathematics to work that one out. Well argued. I suppose it's men for me, then. Shall we be off? Off and out. These paddle boats were a bit of a cliché, but I must say this is exhilarating. Where are we exactly? At sea. You know what they say about sailors? The next words out of your mouth include the word seamen. You're swimming home. And now it's a picnic, just the two of us. Again, your heart's in the right place, and this truly is lovely, but have your thought for originality. All right, then. What do you have in mind? Oh, a discotheque. Two young homosexuals entering a discotheque. Full points for originality to the brilliant young Mr. Willikins. <laughs> you know... I've never been so bloody happy in my entire bloody life. I found my true calling as a gentleman's gentleman. And as a gentleman's gentleman? Indeed. Are the Rolling Stones really going to let you bring me with you? It was one of my only conditions for coming on as the band's butler. The lads were surprisingly accepting of it all. Well, after seeing the Dancing in the Streets video, I can't say as I'm terribly surprised. Once I finish here at Cambridge, it's a life of adventure, music, and love for us. It's all coming together for me at long last. Who's there? Mr. Willigan, sir? Yes, who's there? Constable Bobby of the High Street Irregulars, sir. You are an undergraduate of this university's Squiring Technologies program. I am. Sir, under orders of the Iron Dictator herself, the mighty Margaret Thatcher, all butlers, footmen, manservants, maids, including but not limited to house, kitchen, parlour, chamber and scullery, stewards, valets... Secretaries, pages, tea boys, governesses, 
Chamberlains, gatekeepers, gardeners, underbutlers, uberbutlers, boot boys, hold boys, and stable boys, and generally anyone else who can't come in the front door are hereby remanded to perpetual Victorian-style servitude under the Restoration of Class Separation Act of 1985. Thatcher, is it? I suppose we should have listened to those blokes with the funny hair and the pins through the noses. Is that Mr. Simon Morrison? Present. You, sir, are under arrest per the Buggery Act of 1533, which has recently been reinstated. Well, if that's the case, shouldn't I also be... You should, sir. But the Prime Minister has declared that the upper class's need for servants supersedes any other crime or moral peccadilloes you may or may not have committed. Well, bugger this. Don't make it worse for yourself, sir. I know a number of you came from allegedly prestigious universities and the like, but this is Nick Hall. I frankly don't care what you were taught by those namby-pamby so-called intellectuals. There's nothing intellectual involved in doing the washing up, winding the clocks, and changing my ten-year-old son's nappies. As a servant of the Nick family, henceforth until the day you die, you will be given a shiny piece of cutlery and expected to flawlessly execute the time-honored English dance of table-setting each night. You will work every day until you drop dead of fatigue. And on that day, we will throw you into the butler hole. And that will be the story of you. That one's trying to scarper, sir. Yes, I can see that. Release the hounds. Yes, sir. Only... The hounds are currently occupied at Our Lady of Unnecessary Cruelty's annual fox hunt, and you left explicit instructions that it not be interrupted for any reason, humanitarian or otherwise. So I did. Well, as it happens, I poisoned this lot of servants on the way in, and the only existing antidote is in the gruel they're fed fortnightly. He'll be back. Or he'll be dead. The net outcome is effectively the same. I think... I think I'm away. Let's find Simon. I can only imagine what horrors he's been made to endure. If only I knew... Oh, it's that bloody fox hunt. I haven't run far enough. Oh, good show, Cecilia. Give that fox a good thrashing. What? Good Lord, Simon? Who's this now? Lord Gordon, I do believe one of your sub-subordinates has wandered onto the garden path. That's our path, you. Shoo. Simon, it's it's me. It's it's Willikins. I'm afraid I don't know any Willikins. He will address me as Sir Simon or his lordship. But, but Simon, what have they done to you? You sure seem convinced that we know one another. We do know one another and we love one another. We met at Cambridge. We were going to run off to live with Mick Jagger. Together. Well, now you're just being silly. Men don't love other men. If there's one thing I learned in Miss Thatcher's wonderful, irreversible brainwash brigade, it's that. In fact, I don't think it's especially proper for an Englishman to love anything. Except England, of course, which is where we're from. Oh, dear. Terribly sorry, Sir Simon. This one's new and hasn't been uh, broken in yet. Come on, you. It's the wooden crate for you, I expect. Let's go, then. Very good. There. And there you'll stay until we need you. One bucket's for food, the other's for tea. I shouldn't confuse them if I were you. I say in there, we've found a use for you finally. So make yourself presentable. Here's a razor. 
Don't think of slitting your wrist with it. It's a safety razor. Of course, because my well-being is obviously a priority for you. Where are you sending me? You're to serve his lordship's only son and heir, Lord Nick. He's been living, for some reason, in a small flat off the estate grounds for some time now. His distant relative, Lord Fauntleroy Britishman, has died and willed his considerable fortune to the lad. You are to tend to his needs and bring him home to his lordship. That doesn't sound so bad. Well, France doesn't sound too bad either until you go there and find out it's full of Frenchmen. This is encouraging. All right then, giant crate. Let's see what you've got in you. <coughs> ah, ah, it's dusty there. Well, it's a man then, isn't it? Rather, sir. We're going to be the best of friends, I expect. Willikins, you've been my attaché case for nigh on six and a half years now. Why do you still let me do daft things like bring us here to our certain doom? It is your certain doom. I'm glad you've been listening. Who is this ridiculous person? And why is he threatening certain doom? I'm the media tycoon here, and I decide when certain doom is declared. Silence. Well, this votes poorly. On the other hand, perhaps my long and terrible journey is finally coming to an end. But then it will change my nappies. Ugh. Oh. So, someone bring me some water. I've never acted so hard in my life. I'm sweating through the seersucker suit. Matt, you were only in the very last part of that, and then you were just repeating your lines from last time. Also, this is radio. You don't need to be in costume. Is that why you're wearing your boxers? They're boxer briefs. Anyway, that's not even the right costume. I know, but this thing was sucking all my sear, so I got out my old shotgun and killed it up a treat. What else am I supposed to do with its pelt? Did you become southern in the time since we just stopped doing that sketch? I reckon I must have. Now come set a spell, I'm fixing to rustle up a pitcher of mint juleps. Well, that is canonically the preferred beverage of Leonard Bones McCoy. Sure, I'll have a julep. There you go, son. Matt, this is a stick of gum. Don tootin', I plum reckon. I should note that Amanda wanted you to say something that made no goddamn sense at this point. Because I'm a method actor. Hilarious! Well, back to it, I suppose. Let me just mop my brow and I'll join you. So you're fat now, too? Method actor. Is this the new photosynthesis? Oh, man, remember when I was a plant? I do. And now the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Hey, I was listening to that. What's to listen to? It's literally just silence. You never understood my music. You don't understand me. What's to understand? You just want to zip around with a jetpack and eat powdered ice cream like it's 2050 or something. Goddamn hipster! It's retro. Anyway, you're the one with the time machine. That's for work. When the mall security precogs are disabled, I need that device to go back and make sure the food court has always have been vandalized by you and your ruffian cohorts. Such a waste. You could do so many things. Better things with time travel. Like impress chicks from the past with your cool knowledge of the future. We must never abuse time travel in such a fashion. Why, an ancestor of ours did that very thing once and became his own great-great-grand-something-grandfather. Oh, that never happened. Well, the hell it didn't! Haven't you ever wondered why our family tree looks like a bloody Mavius strip? Hey, what's that behind you? What? 
There's nothing behind me. What a preposterous notion that you would even suggest a thing as... Oh, well, that can't be good. Good Lord, that fellow just materialised as if from out of nowhere on this busy Victorian street. Say, do you know Nick of Nick Hall? Why, yes, I believe that's him over there, running into those caves. Shit, I'm too late. He's on his way back to the early 21st century already. I say, what is that intriguing piece of headgear you're wearing? This, this is just an old styrofoam bicycle helmet I picked up at a thrift store. I mean, this is an exquisite, one-of-a-kind artifact. Might you be interested in purchasing it? I dare say I might be. Well, you mustn't stop with just the helmet. There's the whole ensemble to consider. This exotic hoodie, for one thing. Oh, I love one. All right, all right. One at a time, please. Chicks first. This delightful simulacrum of a fish is self-animating, and it even sings. Simply having a werewolf Christmas time. Oh, I simply must have one. I'll take two. There he is, Twig. We call him the Shop Creep. They say he came here with a stolen time machine on a mission and then got distracted by the gullibility of Victorian consumers. How many times have we seen it, Brick? This with the infinite vastness of time itself, how many men opt to use their power, not for personal enrichment or the betterment of mankind, but to build roofs out of whatever local currency they're carrying? He also makes his customers really uncomfortable with flimsy euphemisms and innuendos. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Damn tragedy is what it is. My word! The vulgarity! Uh-oh, looks like your carelessly selected profanity is bringing an angry mob of British Puritans down on us. And it looks like the shop creep has caught on to what happened and is getting away. So long, suckers! Suckers! Uh, will I never... So... Then I wandered the time stream for a while, bilking rubes, fleecing saps, and, of course, picking up chicks. But one day, my idiot brother showed up, which reminded me why I got into this game in the first place. And then I came here to kill you. Winnikins, did you order all this exposition? Because I sure as hell bloody didn't. I ordered a Chinese. Where's my Chinese? Oh, I'll give you a Chinese in hell. What does that mean? Terribly sorry, Mr. Shop Creep, sir, but there appears to be something just behind you. What? Where? I have excellent peripheral vision. How did I not see... Oh, God damn it. Sarcastic Voyage has embarked on a modest undertaking to chronicle the entirety of human history in sketch form. Join us as we uncover the mysteries of the past in our ongoing feature which we call History. It's not as good as it used to be. England, Christmas, 1883.
This should put an end to all this nonsense. Oh, it worked. You successfully stole an atomic bomb from the 1950s, then detonated it just before Nick came back in time and started this ridiculous time loop that got everyone all worked up. So it's all over now? The suffering? The interminable exposition? Oh, God, no. I'm a trained narrator. The exposition's only just begun. Thought you were fired. I was. I fell on some pretty hard times. But then, I met a mysterious stranger in a Harry Potter mask back in part seven of this serial. Who was under the mask? Daniel Radcliffe. He trained me as a wizard to find my innermost purity and strength. You may now address me as... Narrator the White. Must I? I could just make you. And then Willikins dropped to the ground and kissed my feet. (laughs) Innermost purity, eh? Get up. Fortunately for you, I now exist on a higher plane. Magic is a higher plane than science, so there truly is no justice in the universe. And now, thanks to you, there is no universe at all. But I only set off one device in one very specific location. The goal was to prevent Master Nick from existing. And you succeeded. Unfortunately, Nick is literally the father of everyone of significance in this universe. Thanks to you, Frank has no Sandra. Cooter has no The Bear and the world doesn't have Aaron Fawcett, or Food Guy. I don't know who any of these people are. There's also no you. Well, clearly there is. Otherwise, who are you even talking to? I could spend another couple of acts explaining to you, but then I'd be Brandon Braga. Willikins! Oh, good. Willikins. (laughs) Willikins? There. Everything has been restored to the way it was before you ruined it. Uh, He's always ruining things. I know it's a bit neat. Kind of a Dave ex machina, if you will. Must I? But the simple fact of the matter is, Nick is the alpha and the omega of this universe. Without him, this all ceases to exist. I knew it all along. And now that it's confirmed, I don't give a squirrel's arse about my father's approval. I'll see here. Oh, you be quiet. And mind your elders. I remember when we met the colonel and Willikins was always whinging on and on about his father's approval. I thought it was rubbish then and I was right then. I've learned a valuable lesson today, and that lesson is this. I'm great. But I'll just go back and try again. Yeah, probably not. Freeze, shop creep. We got you dead to rights. Well, it's a fair cop. It's off to prison with me, I guess. What? No, we'll just take you to the mall security office and call your brother. Oh, no! Excuse me, Mr. Time Cop, but if he's under arrest, he won't be needing that time machine anymore, will he? I suppose not. Good, because as they say in the Americans, yoink! Damn it. Come, Willikins, I shall travel the infinite vastness of the cosmos in search of adventure, pizza hamburgers, and probably also a third thing as well. And you, as ever, shall be my companion for all eternity. What a delightfully original premise. Off we go, then! And so, the shop creep was taken back to his own time, and had to explain to his parents how he'd almost unraveled reality itself, and also gotten his brother killed in the process. 
Lord Gordon of Nick Hall went home to... probably his wife? I assume Nick had a mother. We never got around to meeting her, did we? Nick and Willikins embarked on adventures that the human mind could not begin to comprehend. And me? I transcended to a higher plane of being, where I'm no longer required to tell you what those two are getting up to. Because, even existing outside of linear time itself, this bit was still, somehow, a tremendous waste of my time. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes the epic saga of Nick and Willikins, and that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of Sarcastic Voyage. I eagerly await my Academy Award brand Oscar. Podcasts don't get awards, Matt. What about the potties? Or the casties? Or the golden RSS feed? Or Fleshlight Presents the annual Squarespace Awards? Or Award F. Tompkins, the yearly event where Paul F. Tompkins is literally buried alive in trophies? Or the Stitchery Doos? Or the iTunes Wait, wait they split the, uh, that into the Podcast App Award. Where did you hear about all this? You know me, I listen to literally every podcast in existence, because I live in perpetual fear of someone asking me if I've heard their podcast. I stopped worrying about that a long time ago. Coming up next time, an entire episode of Frank and Sandra. Because you deserve it! Safe journeys, everyone! This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. With Vishal Baradwaj, Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Nathan Lajeunesse, Brian Lynch, Caitlin Obum, Joseph Ravenson, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, and Jason Wallace. It was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Matt Robotham and Amanda Smith. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2015.